Good morning, everybody. It's uh, great to be with you this morning, and uh, it's an exciting time of the year, exciting season, and uh, trusting that I've got something to share with you this morning that will, will touch your heart. Um, as Pierre says, we're going to kick off the series on, on, on Christmas, Christ Christmas, if you like, and making sure that Jesus is at the center of it all. Amen. Um, before I get into what, what really I'm, I'm going to share this morning, and I guess it flows into it, as we were worshiping today, uh, this morning, which is such a beautiful time, I, I was just reminded of that scripture in the book of Revelation where John obviously writes, and it's a reflection of what Jesus was saying, and he says this. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man or woman would open that door, I will come in and I will dwell with them. I will eat with them, it actually says, and I will be with him and he, you will be with me. And so as we were worshiping, I just, I just had that sense that God was perhaps saying that to some of us this morning. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And, and I think that the, the door that he's speaking about is, is not a physical door, it's the door of our hearts. And, and, and he's writing actually to the church, he's writing to us as believers, and he's saying, I'm standing at the door of your heart, and, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm knocking on that door. And someone once said that that door only has one handle, and it's, it's on our side. In other words, he stands and he knocks, but he waits for our response, and he says, will you open that door? Because I want to come in, and I want to live with you, and I want to dwell with you, and I want to be in you, and I want to feast with you, and I want to bring all that I am to you and, and totally, overwhelmingly bless you with my, with my life. But the thing is this, it, it waits upon a decision from us. Amen, does that make sense? God is standing, and he stands, and even today and, and in this season, Jesus came to the earth to dwell on the earth, not just on a, a physical piece of ground. He came to dwell in this piece of earth, the hearts of men and women, and he wants to live inside of us and bring his goodness and his kindness and his mercy, but he waits upon our response. And so as we get into this this morning, as we talk about why Jesus came to the earth and, and, and so on, I, I wanna, in a sense, just bring before you this opportunity to respond right now and say, God, in my life and even in the season that we're going into, I want you to come into my heart in a fresh way. Does anybody witness with that this morning? Anybody say amen, it was just me, I'm gonna pray a prayer for my, okay, wonderful, I'm not on my own. <laughs> so let's pray together this morning and, and today and as we go into the season of celebration and lots of food and fun, etc. as Pierre said, let's, let's make sure that it's all about Jesus and not just Jesus out there, but Jesus in here, amen. So why don't you close your eyes for a moment and I love to just put my hands out in front of me as I'm just preparing my heart to receive. Maybe you wanna do the same. And, and just imagine that for a moment. God himself is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking and he's saying, can I come in? As Pierre said this morning, he doesn't come in to judge. He doesn't come in to condemn. He doesn't come in to show what's wrong. He comes to bring life. He comes to bring freedom. He comes to bring hope. He comes to sit down with you and he says, let's have a chat. Let's be together because I love you. So Heavenly Father, this morning as we, as we step into this exciting season, Lord, we take, we take a moment to pause and as we hear that you are knocking on the door of not just the church, but the door of our hearts, Lord, we, we pause this morning and Lord, I wanna say today that I wanna open the door of my heart. And I, Lord, I wanna ask that you would come in to my heart afresh and you can pray the same this morning. God, that you would come in and that you would live not just with us, but that you would live in us that you would take up residence in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that the awe and the wonder of Jesus and this amazing story and time would just, would just increase in our hearts. And I pray that you would give us ears to hear what it is that you're saying to us today in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. All right. So my message this morning 
is entitled Divine Interruption. Divine Interruption. And, you know, as Pierre was saying, as we go into this, this season of Christmas, there's so many wonderful things of uh, family and celebration. And anyone excited for the leg of lamb? I'm, I'm excited for the leg of lamb. Hallelujah. Um, gifts, presents, fun. Maybe you're going away on holiday. I'm not sure. Having a good time, a bit of a, bit of a rest. Um, but it's so important that we remember, somebody once said, the reason for the season, and that is Jesus. And this week I was just doing something and I came across a photograph and I was really appreciative. You can put the photograph up in a moment of Spa, who uh, is prophesying, saying, remember that Christmas begins with Christ. Aren't you grateful that Spa is a prophetic voice to the nation? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and I thought, come on, that's, it. that's awesome for the whole world to see right there. That's that. Christmas is amazing, but it does begin uh, with, with, with Jesus. So when, when Jesus came to the earth, when the, the birth of Christ was announced, when Jesus was born, it was no small matter, okay? It was not a sideline affair. It wasn't something that just only a few people knew about. It, it actually turned a bunch of people's lives upside down with the intention of becoming right side up, okay? And this week I was reading through the book of Matthew and the book of Luke and those first two couple of chapters that really speak about the Christmas story, the, the, the birth, the announcement, the birth of, of Jesus. And I, as I read, I just read about these different characters and the impact that it had on, on, on their lives. So obviously if we start with Mary, historians tell us that Mary was about 13, 14 years old. She was engaged to be married to Joseph. And can you just imagine for a moment what it would be like, ladies, if... if if the Holy Spirit, if the, an angel of the Lord comes and says, by the way, you're gonna have a child, it's not gonna come from anyone else. The Holy Spirit is gonna conceive not just any child, but the Son of God inside of you. I mean, does that not utterly rock your world? I mean, that's just like, are you serious? Anyway, so she goes to Joseph and, and tells her, um, him, Joseph, I'm, I'm pregnant. Like, what's Joseph thinking? The Holy Spirit, yeah, right, come on. Are you serious? So Joseph is, is a man of honor and integrity, and he's willing to walk away so as to not to bring shame upon her. But, but, but this young woman's life is forever changed because she's now pregnant and not yet married, telling everybody that she's pregnant, not by a man, but by the Holy Spirit. Probably few people are believing her. She's probably an outcast already, but she's such a woman of character that she says when this declaration is made, be it unto me according to your word. I'm willing to literally be one that hosts the presence of God. How crazy is that? So Joseph is like, I'm willing to walk away. An angel comes in a dream and says, Joseph, don't walk away. This is of, of me. This is of God. And, and your wife's gonna give birth and to, to Jesus, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. But, but Joseph, there's a few little things I need to tell you. You, when you get married to her, you are not allowed to, are there any youth in the place? You are not allowed to do the married couple thing, okay, yeah? Not on your wedding night, no, not the next night, no, no, for nine months. Like, Joseph is such a man of integrity, he's like, no fun and games, okay, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Like, that turned his world completely upside down. Hey, isn't it, guys, are you with me? Like, if that happened to you, you'd be like, get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name, Yeah? Are you with me? And he's like, oh, Jesus. Okay, if you say so. So Mary's world's turned upside down. Joseph's world's turned upside down. We read on and we read about, about Zechariah and Elizabeth who were old and, and 
the Lord comes and speaks to Zechariah and says, Elizabeth in her age is gonna, gonna have a child. You're gonna call him John. He's gonna prepare the way for the Messiah. And, and he's like, oh, you gotta be joking. So the angel says, okay, well, if you're struggling with that, you're just not gonna speak for nine months. And so for nine months, he can't talk. Baby is born, speaks, his name is John. Like his world is turned upside down. Are you, are you with me? Okay. Pierre mentioned the angels and the wise men and their world is turned upside down. And then there's a guy called Herod, King Herod, who didn't quite have the same excited response. In fact, he was against the Messiah and he rejected Jesus and he so much so wanted to have him killed. So when Jesus came and when Jesus comes, he doesn't come to be a sideline affair. Are you with me? He doesn't come to attach himself to our lifestyle that we live for ourselves, live for ourselves, Hallelujah, sing a nice song, live for ourselves. No, no, he wants to come and take over, not to destroy, but to give life. He wants to be at the center of everything, not because he has issues, but because he's God, okay? Because he's king and because he knows that he made us for for life and love and for relationship and anything outside of that, life just doesn't work. And he wants to come in and be the Lord of our lives. So as I read that, I I was amazed because I hadn't seen this before. I, I noticed that in these and other people, there were probably many more, but there were three responses that I noticed in the story about how people responded to the birth of Christ and to the announcement of of Jesus. And I think these are quite relevant maybe for us today and for the world in which we live. So the first one we can see in the story of of King Herod. Now, as I said a moment ago, he wasn't too excited about the birth of Christ and he sent the wise men to go and find out about the prophecy that was made that the Messiah, the King of the Jews was gonna be born And he said, go and find and worship, but actually he wanted to kill Jesus. And he rejected Christ. The first response we see is that he actually rejected Jesus. Now I'm thinking, why do you think that Herod rejected Jesus? Well, well, I think perhaps it goes like this. In our hearts, remember he's king, hey? King Herod. In our hearts, I think there's only place for one throne. There's There's only place for one king, all right? And either you are king of your life or Jesus is king of your life, okay? Herod was king of his part of the universe, but he also believed he was king of his own heart. And therefore, I believe he rejected Jesus because he was not willing to get off the throne of his own heart to allow the king of all kings to get on the throne of his heart. Does that make sense? So he was was not willing to surrender because of pride. He was like, no, no, I want to be the master of my destiny. I want to be the one who has the steering wheel. I want to be in charge. I want to be in control of my life. And because he made that decision, he lost out on the blessing and the life that King Jesus wanted to bring to his heart. And I think that oftentimes we find ourselves in this wrestle or the struggle for who's in control of our hearts. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like we go through this all the time, don't we? Like like I love it that Jesus is my savior and he forgives me of my sin, but hang on a second. In control, that, that's a whole different ball game, yeah? And so there's this wrestle in our hearts around who's in control of our lives because we just don't seem to want to surrender our lives. And I think that that is actually rooted in a lie about who he is. You see, if you know that this king is not a king who wants to come and dominate your life, in fact, he is the ultimate servant king who came and made himself nothing to actually serve you and to bring life and hope and beautiful things to you, Surely it's a ridiculous thought to go, I don't want you in charge of my life. Does that that make sense? And so I think that in this season, for me, the first point I wanna share with you is that let's remember 
that he is savior. He is, he is the lover of our souls, but he is King Jesus. And, and I want to, this season, let him know, not that he needs to, but I want to let him know that he is the king of my heart. Okay, well, anybody want to join me on that this morning and say, Jesus, I want you to not only be my savior, I, I give you permission to be the king of my heart. I surrender all to you. In fact, Jesus said to Matthew, if you try and save your life, you will actually lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, then you will find life. So maybe some of us this morning are like, oh my goodness, if I hand over control, I'll lose. No, no, if you hand over control, you'll find life because that's the king that Jesus is. Amen, that makes sense? Okay, so the first response is actually, unfortunately, Herod rejected Jesus. We're not gonna do that, amen, all good, hallelujah. The second response, and this is an interesting one, is, is seen in the story of the wise men and the shepherds. Now, again, Pierre alluded to that this morning, but the, the shepherds got a word, they saw a star, they followed, the wise men went, and, and, and both these two groups of people, they went to actually worship Jesus. They went to offer gifts, they went to give gold and frankincense and myrrh, which were all prophetic gifts about the life, the ministry, and the death of Jesus. They came and they worshiped, they had angelic experiences, absolutely amazing, but here's the thing, we don't actually know what happened in their hearts after that encounter. Okay? Now, now we, we don't know, so I can't say, but here's the thing. The possibility exists that their lives will change forever, but the possibility also exists that the moment might not have translated into a lifetime of devotion. Okay? And so what happens when we have this moment, we have this Christmas season, oftentimes we can come and we can have an encounter with God, we can worship Him, we can do all the Christmas things, we can go to church, we can hear the stories, but yet remain indifferent to the glory and the majesty of why he really came. Does that make sense? Okay, and it's interesting when you read the Bible, oftentimes you, you read about God having an encounter with people and then, then you don't always find out what their response was. So do you remember Luke 15, the story of father, two sons, prodigal son, the young son comes home, he's forgiven, restored, redeemed. The older son is home, but he's actually lost. And the father goes out to him and he says, come home. There's an invitation given to him but the story doesn't go on to tell us whether he said yes or no. And it's kind of like you left hanging. The point is this, God doesn't want robots or puppets who don't have a choice. He gives us all a choice. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with the season? What will you do with the Messiah? And so I guess my second challenge to us this morning is not only to invite him to be king, my second challenge to us this morning is let this moment be a catapulting experience to, to translate and, and move us into a lifetime of intimacy with the Father because it never was supposed to simply just be one moment. Does that make sense? And, and not us, hopefully, but, but I know that many times, many people in this season will go through, as Pierre said, the motions of Christmas, yeah? They will buy the gifts, they will sing the songs, they'll go to church, they'll do the thing, but yet not be personally transformed by the one who came. And I want to become a person more and more who's not just enjoying, I love the moments, but every moment actually has an invitation for more, do you want it? Okay, so my heart's cry this morning is God, I want everything that you have for me. Anyone wanna join me on that one? All right, second one. The third response, so they recognized but maybe didn't get changed. The third response is seen in, in the lives of a few more characters, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Anna, the prophetess, Simeon, but then ultimately in Mary and Joseph. 
And as I said a moment ago, when the angel comes to Mary and to Joseph and says, you're gonna become the mother, the father of Jesus, etc., what is Mary's response? And I'm gonna read it to you from two different translations. From the New King James Version, this is what Mary says when the invitation is given. Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be to me according to what you have said. In the Passion Translation, it says this. Mary responded saying, this is amazing. I will be the mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. So can you hear the response of of Mary? What does she say? She's like, This might be challenging. This might be hard. There might be good times. There are gonna be difficult times. But whatever you have said to me, let it be to me. There's a personal ownership. There's a personal receiving that says, God, I want to be not just a spectator of the story. I wanna be a participant of the story. I wanna get in. I want you to be a part of my life. Come and fill me with all that you have for me. I am entirely yours. And her yes resulted in her becoming literally one who hosted the presence of God. So here's my question. In this season, what will my response be? What will your response be? What will our response be to this one who left the perfection of heaven and came to earth as we sang this morning and and came to die on a cross for us, was raised from the dead, came to cleanse us, forgive us, do amazing things in our lives. We still have to respond. I wanna give God my absolute yes. Anybody with me? Amen. So when you say yes to God, what happens? Well, like I could talk about that for years, but there there are two specific things I wanna highlight. And they are seen in the names that Jesus was given when he came to the earth. So when the angel came and announced this to Mary and Joseph, and I think Piers mentioned it already this morning, there were two names that he was given. Number one, Jesus was to be known as Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And number two, he was to be known as Emmanuel. Now, what does all that mean? Jesus Christ, the Messiah, literally means the chosen anointed one sent by God to be the savior or the redeemer of the world. Okay, you can go, amen, that's exciting. Wow, that's, okay. That's what it means. So Jesus came to be the savior, the redeemer, the one who would set us free from our sins. But secondly, he would be known as Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. So when you say yes to God, you say yes, not just to his name, but to why he came. And he came to be the Messiah. He came to be the savior of the world, the redeemer of us from the slave market of sin. He came to cleanse us and set us free, but he came to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. What does all this mean? From the beginning, guys, God's heart and passion was to be a perfect, loving father who would live with his people. That was God's heart. It still is God's heart. So in the Garden of Eden, what do we see? We see Adam and Eve created by God in the image of God to live with God and God's heart was to live on earth with them. But then what happened is they chose to be independent, which is the root of all the mess in the world. And they walked away from God and decided, no, 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 we're gonna do life on our own. And so they sinned, they went against what God had asked them to do and they were kind of separated from the presence of God. But then fast forward through your Bible And you see God still pursuing, God still wanting to be with his creation. So he calls Moses and Moses is is raised up and he's sent to, to Egypt to deliver the children of Israel from that place. And they come into the promised land 
And God calls Moses up on the mountain. And he says, Moses, this is what you to do, etc." But he says, I want you to build a tabernacle. I want you to build what literally was a beautiful box because I want to live in that space because I want to live with my people. Are you, are you seeing where this is going? And then we fast forward a little bit further and David and the children of Israel go into the promised land and David becomes king and then his son Solomon follows after him and David gets it in his heart that he doesn't want a box traveling around with the presence of God in it. He builds God a temple because he wants a permanent dwelling place for the presence of God on earth. And the glory of God comes and fills the temple. Why? Because God wants to be with his creation. Children of Israel mess up as they constantly do and they get sent into exile. The presence of God leaves the temple. But then we fast forward and we get to the book of John and this is what John writes in the book of John chapter one. He says, in the beginning was the word being Jesus and the word was with God and the word was God and the word Jesus became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And that word dwelt amongst us literally means that Jesus took on flesh and pitched his tent on the earth. What's he saying? God cannot resist you. He's saying, I made you to be with you. And even though you keep wanting to run away from me, I will keep pursuing you because I don't wanna be a distant God up there and you down there. I want to be amongst you, with you, and ultimately I want to be in you. So then Jesus, at the end of his life, John 14, 16, begins to speak and he says, I'm gonna go be the Father. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's gonna come and he's gonna be with you. And John 14 This is what he says. He says, my father will love you so passionately that we will come to you and we will make our home in you. Wow. You see, the God story, the Christmas story is the heart of a father who simply wants to not just dwell with you, he wants to take up residence in your heart. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would open that door, I will come in and dwell with him. Are you with me, what I'm saying? So when Jesus comes as the Messiah, what's he doing? He's coming first as the Messiah. Why? Because the thing that keeps us separated from the presence of God is the sin in our lives. And he comes as the Savior, the Redeemer. Why? To forgive us, to cleanse us, to prepare, look here, this temple to become the dwelling place of God. So ultimately, Emmanuel, God with us, can come and live with you and in you. My point is simply this. We have a choice when we say yes He comes and he says, your body, your life is the place that I wanna live. And Paul says it in the book of Corinthians. He says, you are the temple, the tabernacle, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So my question to you this morning as I bring this to a close is to ask you this question. Do you want to be the dwelling place of God? Okay, shall I ask again? Do you want to be the dwelling place of God? Okay, in the book of Isaiah, It's prophesied, Isaiah says, that God says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool, but where, oh where, will my resting place be? It's like God is saying, I know I'm king. I know I'm God. Heaven is my throne, the earth, I can just put my foot on the earth. Like, I'm huge, I'm God. But you know what I really want is a resting place. And the resting place is your life. The resting place is my life. He's saying, more than anything else, I wanna come and dwell with you. So as we go into this Christmas season, as we talk over these next few, few weeks and, and, and time together, and Brian's gonna come up now, that's the question. Is like, what will we do with Jesus? What will he do with the Christmas story? And do we wanna become the dwelling place of God? Amen, does that make sense to anybody? All right, can we stand to our feet and we're gonna just uh, take a moment to just respond to what I've shared this morning.
We're going to sing a song this morning, and Brian, you can start playing when you're ready. And I want to give us this morning just an opportunity to respond to this amazing God. His love for you, His desire to not sit up somewhere far away in some place called heaven, which is actually all around us in any case. (laughs) To respond to this God who got off His throne, left perfection, came to the earth because He wanted to, came for you, came for me, was rejected by man, but was willing to go to the cross and pay the price for me and for you. To forgive us and cleanse us of everything that we've ever done that is wrong. Wash us clean. To prepare us to become those that host the very presence of God himself. That's the ultimate, that's the joy, that's the story. God loves you so much that he wants to be with you and he wants to be with me. So let's close our eyes and maybe you want to put your hands on in front of you for a moment. But Brian's going to lead us in a song that I think speaks about us being the sanctuary, the presence of God. And as we sing this together, we'll pray together afterwards. As we sing this together, perhaps you would like to offer your heart, your life, your body afresh to Jesus this morning and ask him to come and fill you again with his love and with his life with his light maybe take a deep breath in and just say God I receive who you are you can have it all be the king of my life I'm yours so let's worship together